Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is the 25th. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. We're here on a delay for about a minute now, and... I guess it's always the case, right? Every time someone with a pool of knowledge has something to really say, uh, you know, technical difficulties. I mean, that's the era we live in. Uh, That's something we get used to, right, guys? Uh, So today, yesterday, I talked to you guys about this whole Ukraine thing. Now, I'm going to hold my tongue a little bit in regards to the Ukraine uh, press conference, just a little bit. I don't want to say much on it. Um, But... uh, I wanted us to talk about this whistleblower complaint uh, because, first of all, I mentioned yesterday that as a linguist, I have been part of situations like situation rooms where you um, transcribe or immortalize, I would say, on document telephone conversations because the audio clips are not allowed to be held, and that's because of the two countries. So basically, we immortalize the conversation on paper, which, to be honest with you, is a double-edged sword, you know, because each country can immortalize it as they see fit, right? Um, but here's, I, I explained to you the process. The process is there's a person listening um, who then transcribes it in the Russian, in, in, in the language. So like, for example, when I would sit there, they would have the conversation, um, whoever they were, and I would then record it in the target, uh, you know, from in the target language. So if I was immortalizing information discussed in Pashto, I would be writing it down in Pashto. And then um, I would then sit down and if I use shorthand, I would elaborate that on my shorthand. So it's not like I'm going to say and or, you know, I'd put like a slash for or a plus for and, you know, everybody has their own way of transcribing a conversation uh, when they are the interpreter and transcriber. So when you interpret, obviously, and there's two people talking, It's not like you're going to remember a whole paragraph that they've, uh, you know, just reiterated over the telephone or over a microphone or whatever it is. Um, You have to take notes. So that way you can reiterate it back in English. And then those notes after the end of the phone call, you then write out uh, like properly and then you hand them over. So if it was in Pashto, I would write it out in Pashto and hand it over to another linguist who would then take my Pashto and translate it into English to be immortalized. So both of those documents, both mine and Pashto and the translated document in English would then be immortalized. I, I wanted to point this out because uh, it's very important for people to understand um, who actually puts these transcripts together um, because I've been there. I've done it myself. And I want people to know that just because uh, you do this job doesn't necessarily mean you're part of the intelligence community. Specifically, those that are within the White House are part of the executive house. So there's interpreters there, you know, for each language that are retained for the White House. So, for example, you know, it would have been great if I was there for at least Greek, right? Since I'm, <laughs> you know, uh, that's like my, my, I would say almost mother tongue like English is, right? Because I was raised by immigrants and uh, they all spoke, you know, all, my whole family spoke Greek in the house, even though I was born and raised in the United States. So I kind of learned both languages 
side by side. Um, and that's probably why I don't have an accent uh, when I speak both of them. But anyway, uh, so they are part of the White House Council. So that means they are not part of the intelligence community. And I mentioned yesterday that the whistleblower may indeed be someone like a cook in the White House. And what's odd is that the whistleblower who complained, their job was to bring, in, bring it up. Like, so for example, okay, I'm going to bring up a situation so you understand just what happened here and why it's fishy. And this is why I'm just like, mm, this doesn't sound right. See, for people that know how the process works, we all know how much BS this is. But uh, I was on once on a call and there were two participants and one participant in their language was discussing with someone else on the other end something that sounded criminal. Well, actually, it was criminal. It was to use um, somebody else's identity to gain access to health care. So my job was simply to be there and facilitate the communication between the healthcare institution and the non-English speaking person. Now, the healthcare institution and the non-English speaking person that I was mediating for, I am only supposed to speak when spoken to. I am sin- simply a conduit. So if they're like, hey, what's your name? I would say, hey, what's your name in the foreign language? And then they would say, hey, my name is Joe. And then I would respond, hey, my name is Joe, as if I'm them. Okay, so I am simply a tool. But I heard on their end, hey, we're going to use this name because that social security number is still clear. And this way I can get the surgery that I need. Um, so can you just make sure that you double check that that birthday matches up with that? Can you check the notes, check the phone, which one we're going to use? So these people who were illegal migrants, by the way, um, and they were not Hispanic, obviously. Okay, just let's make that clear because everyone keeps thinking just the Mexicans or just the Spanish speakers do this. The problem is is everywhere. But anyway, so they were discussing this. And so that was sidebar. And you would think if they knew that the person on the other end understood them, maybe they weren't going to have such a casual, nonchalant conversation. Maybe they would have muted it. But my job doesn't allow me to interpret what they say when it's chitter chatter in the background. Okay. So here we have the hospital waiting and then they respond. The, well, it wasn't a hospital. It was a healthcare institution. Let me make that clear. And so I'm in the middle of it. And then the healthcare institution also makes sidebar remarks that sounded really odd and um, prejudice. So I'm stuck in the middle just to be the conrad, just doing my job. And I'm listening to people colluding for a crime and then an institution even though they are committing a crime and I know that, but they don't know it, they're being biased saying, Hey, can we kick them off to another place? Because, you know, we don't have to carry this cost. It's going to be under, you know, government. We're not going to make any money on it. And it was like, Whoa, that's super not right. If they were like legit who they say they were, what they're saying isn't right. So what do I do? So here's, here's the thing. Who has jurisdiction over my complaints? 
you know, based on what they're saying, if this was the case, I would have went to the FBI and said, hey, these people are using a false identity and this institution is being biased and racist against, you know, this type of class of people. Uh, you know, they made, you know, racist remarks and that shouldn't be allowed. You know, they're getting federal funds. So who do I go to? Do I go to the FBI? Do I go to the intelligence community? Who do I go to? So what's my jurisdiction as the conduit? My jurisdiction would have fallen under CMS, right? So that is where I go because I was brought in to audit and ensure that quality of conversation between the two parties by CMS, the Center for Medicaid Services, right? And Medicare Services, right? Medicare Services, Medicare, Medicaid. So who's my jurisdiction? It would be that office, I wouldn't go to the intelligence community. I wouldn't go anywhere else, just like here. The person is not part of the intelligence community. We said that yesterday. We know this. And today, that was confirmed by McGuire. So why did it happen? I'll tell you why. Because someone got help formulating this complaint. Because that is not how a complaint happens. This complaint isn't even a an, an intelligence matter. It's about policy. Okay, this is a complaint about how policies should be executed. It has nothing to do, okay, with intelligence. Presidential phone calls are not part of the intelligence community. Actually, presidential phone calls, telcon uh, of the executive office or above the intelligence community. Okay, let's just remember. The fact that people that work within the intelligence community or may work for the intelligence community transcribing the calls does not mean that the IG of the intelligence community has oversight or jurisdiction. So, for example, I am part of the intelligence community. So, in my case, do I, because I work for the intelligence community um, in that capacity of that phone call between that institution of health and those parties that were committing crimes, do I go to the intelligence community with it? No. That is not how it works. That is wrong for anyone to think it. So this whistleblower, who is, first of all, not even part of the intelligence community, to go to the intelligence community with this complaint indicates facilitation and manufacturing this complaint. This is number one. Okay? It is number one. Rules restricting access to these calls actually exist. Okay? The person uh, that is um, disseminating all this information, you know, we don't even know if they had the approval to know this information. So, for example, I, like I've said, throughout my whole life have been on many calls like this. And not just, you know, between private parties or military or officers, but between countries, okay, countries, leaders of countries. And I've sat in the middle of the con being the conduit. Now I know very well, and I am telling you this from a matter of fact, I've done this. You do not repeat the conversation. Do you remember how they were pressuring uh, President Trump's uh, interpreter uh, for North Korea and Russia when he had that Russian meeting? That is a problem. This is why I think the executive office shouldn't even be recruiting people that have a second job, you know, that report to someone else. He shouldn't be pooling from the FBI or the CIA analysts in that language. He should be hiring people 
that know to be his conduit. Regular civilians to just do that job that have master in that language. Because it's not my job to understand what you mean by XYZ. My job is just to tell you what XYZ is being said. That's it. So here we have sensitive information, executive privileged information being breached. I don't care if you're part of the intelligence community and you sat in on this call and you conveyed this and you can't talk shop with anyone else about that information, period. That is how it is. You have to understand your job. So number one, the IG of the intelligence community had zero jurisdiction over this call. So this means... That the whistleblower who happened to maybe get drunk or hang out or learn about this or listen in or pillow talk or someone slept, you know, talked in their sleep and heard about it, uh, actually was walked through. Someone held their hand to see how they can put the complaint together. Okay. So that's number one. Okay. That is very important for us to understand what the job of those transcribers is and who they report to. Normally. This complaint, okay, should have been done a different way. And the way this complaint was written seems to be like um like a 302 memorandum. I'm just going to tell you that. And the way it was parsed indicates that someone within the House Intelligence Committee, okay, helped. So the question we have here, and I'm going to answer it, is when did they meet with someone from the House or Senate Intelligence Committee? Now, I'm going to bring your attention again to Daniel Jones. That is what we need to look at, this close circle of friends. Because when we're trying to drain the swamp, we have to appreciate the fact that the swamp also exists in our intelligence and law enforcement community, period. And this is highly indicative of this. So the question is, when did this whistleblower, who is not part of the intelligence community, because McGuire made that clear today, actually meet with someone from the House or Senate Intel Committee? And why was it a Democrat who helped formulate and organize and write and orchestrate the flow of pattern of information that was being presented? This complaint also supposedly was sent off in August. It is now the end of September. So they sat on it. Totally seems like the same thing that happened with Diane Feinstein and that letter from Dr. Ford, you know, how she sat on it and then dropped it later said, Oh, you know, I kind of like was late and no, that's because they were getting their ducks in a row. They also wanted to mitigate. Remember, this is their way of getting more information and finding out about a criminal investigation, not only against Biden, but it will include many other people, including members of the Senate and House committees, Intelligence Committee, Judiciary Committee, and Foreign Affairs Committees, to be specific. So here we have a complaint that was manufactured where they held the hand of someone 
who heard something, and I'll tell you how the conversation went. Yo, I found out that he had like a call with the Ukrainian president, and they were totally talking about Biden. So I overheard, or I oversaw, or I accessed without permission these documents, or heard without permission, or someone yapped because they're my friend. And... I don't know what to do with that. I mean, this is a way we could get Trump out because we could show that he's asking for them to investigate Joe Biden and that's election meddling and that's collusion and that is this, but it's not because what they were discussing was a criminal investigation, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Everyone else is dumb in America. Look how dumb they are. They're still voting for us. Look how dumb black people are. They keep voting for us every time we tell them we're going to help you. We just push them down further. And every four years we pander for that vote and they give it to us. Look at them. We're telling them it's okay to not pick a side of am I male or female? Look at that. It's okay. We're telling them that 70% taxation is going to save the world. We're telling them, give us your money because by paying us, we're going to stop global warming and climate change because you're all going to die in eight years and see how dumb they are because we keep saying this every 10 years with a new eco apocalypse, right? And everyone keeps believing us. So they're dumb. So we'll just make it the way we want to. We'll just put it out the way we want to. And we don't care. We don't have to be... We're shameless. Let's do this. Okay, how do we formulate this? How do we make it sound worse than it really is? How do we beef this up? That's exactly what happened. That's the conversation. Now, the worst thing is, is that this guy who's in the intelligence community, because it's a guy, because yesterday there was an interview with um, Mercedes Schlapp, and she slipped up on that. And we'll talk about that later. Um, he's got friends, and those friends got together and talked about it. Because, see, in the intelligence community, here's the deal. You have a, you have groups just like you do in high school. And just for the record, everyone's a slut. That's one thing that happens in the intelligence community that's disgusting. And if you don't participate in like the, you know, partner swapping, right? Because that's what they do. Uh, you know, then you're a prude and you're stuck up. So, you know, hence how I got the stuck up. Ooh, you're just turning your nose. No, I'm just not carnal. So they all have sex with each other, they talk smack about each other, and they create these groups. That's how it is. It is the worst type of work environment ever. And, you know, to be honest, as a woman, you, and, and this is not pulling like a liberal card. This is legit the way it is. The, um, People of the intelligence community that are males uh, feel very demasculinated, you know, next to women that can get stuff done. And so if they don't conquer you sexually, then you are, you know, ousted, just so you know. So there is pressure for women. I'm just going to put it out there so you guys know that. Because as a woman, I am telling you this, this is legit the way it happens. Um and this is why I let them spread rumors like, yeah, I like girls, not guys, even though I was like, I've been happily married for like almost 20 years. Uh, this is what I say um, to just get people off my back because it just worked for me. And so when people are saying, oh, it's, you know, women are like this, it depends on the culture environment. The intelligence community won't change anytime soon. People find comfort in comfort of people that know what they know because they can't tell other people. Make sense? So if you can't talk about the stuff you do, you can't talk about what you're seeing, you can't talk about this, you're obviously going to share and bond with people that do the same thing. So I just wanted to put that out there so um, to make that clear so you guys understand the mindset and how this happened. So this means that we have a pool of intelligence community persons or officers that have discussed this. Now, even though... Now we know that the intelligence community 
the person that whistleblowed wasn't part of the intelligence community. This means that we have a pool of people in the intelligence community that funneled it to someone that's not part of the intelligence community, which means they're kind of indirectly linked. Could be a contractor, could be some, like I said, a cook. So you never, ever rule of thumb. What did I say? Two, two degrees of separation when you want to drop information. So if I want to drop information, I'm not going to drop it. I'm going to drop it to someone who's going to drop it to someone who's going to drop it to someone. So that way, circular reporting, I mean, that's how we get stuff done, right? Remember? Christopher Steele, he said it, so they use that. That's what you do. You put out the information you want, make it look like somebody else reported it, so now that it's public, you can reference it without exposing the fact that you're the one that dropped it in the first place. Get it? So this is exactly what happened. This means that we have people within our intelligence community that have deliberately, well, no, that are completely politically biased. This is dangerous because this is the intelligence community, and this is egregious to think that there is an even bigger rift between the intelligence community and the white house. So basically that portion of the intelligence community has been weaponized for political gain. This is a very big problem. And this is probably why that president Trump will probably do what I said. He will find American citizens that are not part of the intelligence community or have been a part of the intelligence community that are simply going to be the conduits as interpreters, as linguists to be there that have ironclad NDAs that report only to one person. And that's the executive office. You know, if rush could speak Russian, he would have rush as his guy. You know, that is how he should do it because that's the problem. They are politicizing it. You know, I've sat there and been the conduit for leaders that I loathed. Some leaders smelled like cabbage, loathed, but I did my job because that is what I'm supposed to do. And I've never politicized it. Even though I hate them, you can't not do your job because then you're just as bad as them. That's the way it is. And so for us to see that we have an intelligence community that has been weaponized, politically weaponized, it is a very big concern. But... Nonetheless, no sweat on our back because you took the bait. Now you have allowed us to see what we need to fix. And that starts with the whole OIG investigation, the whole how it got to him, who it got to, because now we'll know exactly where this whistleblower went and who he met with. (laughs) We can trace your phone. We can trace your calls. We can know where you've been. We will put CCTV cameras. And this is why they delayed it. This is why there was a delay first. We got to time it with the UN to pull away from that spotlight and bring another scandal. But two, uh, oh gosh darn it. Do you mean that the CCTV was already purged? It's only a 30-day hold. Oh darn. But... Here's the thing. This is what the rule of thumb is, but to the areas around, maybe not. That is it. Body cams, the security, et cetera, don't get purged because those have to be seen. So unless you went to a restaurant that's only yours and we can't trace an Uber or something to tie them in. So think, do we know when he met with the Senate or House members of the Democratic Party prior to writing this letter? Who did he meet with and write it up? And how is it proposed to the OIG of the intelligence community? These are questions you should ask because this is the new Russia hoax. This is the, oh, look, election meddling. Uh, 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 not so fast. Because today, 
me, yours truly, got confirmation that this is an election meddling, that this investigation into Biden, this reference into Biden, first of all, you can see it from the transcript, has been ongoing. Secondly, I already have confirmation that Joe Biden knew that they were being investigated. And here's the thing, even though Axios and all of them want to tell you different, I'm going to show you, even with the information they're putting out and the information already out there, (coughs) excuse me, that they knew, that he knew, and that is the way they operate. They try to spin things, like watching the uh, committee ask questions today live drove me insane. But you have to think, (laughs) we already have everything. And... Again, I've told you, how do you legally put out information and then make that stuff, that information that's public, use it for you? Again, I've said it before. This is what you have to see. This is all part of the plan. This is the plan. A hundred percent. I've already told you how it's done. I want something out there, for example... If I want something out there that I can't put out there because it'll be like, oh, maybe you're using it from your position of privilege. Maybe you've reached, you know, national security here by saying that. What do I do? I put it forward through another means of communication, maybe vote or a Chan board or say it to someone to say it to someone or send an email to a leftist publication that will then run on it and then use it as a reference. Remember. How can you use what you know to expose the facts? I'll see you all in just a bit. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, and we were talking about this phony complaint, this manufactured complaint. So what I thought would be great for us to do now is kind of go through mm, the statements, go through um, what they've been saying. So first of all, I'd like to say I I was watching this today and I was just kind of like flabbergasted. I was like, this is really not happening, is it? I mean, I want to listen. I want us to both listen together Adam Schiff's statement, because I'm going to tell you this is a hunch, and I always go with my gut, that Schiff had one of his staffers help create and manufacture this via Daniel Jones. I'm saying his name, Daniel Jones. Do your homework, guys. Find out who this guy is. He helped on the Dr. Ford, and that expose is coming really soon. I'm just trying to get all my ducks in a row. And like I said, how how is it possible that you legally inject and make public, you know, information or evidence. You got to be patient and, you know, someone's got to grab the bait. So I'm just waiting on that. And the article is ready. I'm just waiting for that. You know, how? Because it's only been reported by one, so it needs to be reported. That's what you got to think about. There's always a process. And so this that happened uh-huh. was done by them, but we already knew they were doing it. So we let it ride. We let it ride. Take a listen. Cause Adam Schiff pretty much tells you that. Listen to what he says. The essence of what the president communicates 
We've been very good to your country, very good. No other country has done as much as we have. But you know what? I don't see much reciprocity here. I hear what you want. I have a favor I want from you, though. And I'm going to say this only seven times, so you better listen good. I want you to make up dirt on my political opponent, understand lots of it. On this and on that, I'm going to put you in touch with people, and not just any people. I'm going to put you in touch with Attorney General of the United States, my Attorney General, Bill Barr. He's got the whole weight of the American law enforcement behind him. And I'm going to put you in touch with Rudy. You're going to love him, trust me. You know what I'm asking, and so I'm only going to say this a few more times, in a few more ways. And by the way, don't call me again. I'll call you when you've done what I asked. This is, in sum and character, what the president was trying to communicate with the president of Ukraine. It would be funny if it wasn't such a graphic betrayal of the president's oath of office. But as it does represent a real betrayal, there's nothing the president says here that is in America's interest, after all. It is instead the most consequential. Oh, my gosh. Right. I was listening to this and I was and I was bidding goodbye to my sister-in-law who is flying back home to the United Kingdom today with her husband. And I wanted to throw something at my screen. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to be immortalized as a statement. And he says that's what he was trying to say. No, he wasn't. That is not what was said. But here's the thing. Based on what he said, I'm going to hold my tongue on Zelensky. I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it. And this is, I'm going to hold it because (laughs) regardless, it's done. Now, I want people to understand one thing. They are trying to make this sound as if it was election meddling. They are trying to make it sound like he was getting dirt on his opponent. But today's show, I'm going to demonstrate to you how false that statement or that notion is. And the thing is, you already have all that information. You have to trust that there is process, that there is a plan in place. Nobody plans to get a man elected to gut the swamp without being seven months ahead of the game. Seven. And it all finished with Mueller's investigation being closed. This is how it is. They are trying to force the, well, they're trying to force McGuire to say that, yeah, it's inappropriate. Yeah, it would be inappropriate if a president was trying to dig dirt using another country against another, you know, against their political opponent. It would be. And that's true. So he has to make that statement. Yes, that would be inappropriate. But this is not the case here. I want McGuire. I wanted McGuire to grow a pair and say, listen, in any hypothetical situation, this is inappropriate. But this is not what is happening here. This is a criminal investigation that started way before that phone call. But he didn't say it. So, again, keeping my eggs in a basket. Always, always, always. I want you to listen to a clip about impeachment push puts pressure on Biden. Take a listen. Donald Trump released the transcript. Why? Because there was nothing that he had to worry about. He didn't put any pressure. There was no quid pro quo. In this transcript, there's no quid pro quo. There is no improper leverage. Nancy Pelosi hasn't seen the transcript. 
hasn't interviewed the whistleblower, has no new information. She said, I haven't seen the transcript and then proceeds to condemn the president based on a transcript that she hasn't read. I did not see a smoking gun. I did not see a quid pro quo. Did you? I did not. I did not see either an impeachable crime or any indictable crime. There is no quid pro quo involved in this. I don't see a tie to the money, the funding, the aid. We waited, we got the transcript, and the president was telling the truth, and Nancy Pelosi wasn't. There's no quid pro quo. The president never even mentioned military aid. He's surrounded basically by a Democratic Party which has lost its mind. Donald Trump released. They lost their mind, exactly, because they are worried about what's to come out. See, here's the thing. Why are they so adamant about finding out information? Because the only way you can stop a disaster from happening is by what? By knowing what the other side has against you. What is the rule in any war? Know thy enemy, right? If you don't know who you are up against, you will lose. That is 90% chance that you've lost the battle. You can be a juggernaut and the other person can be a mouse. But if that mouse, you don't know that mouse, you don't know how tall they stand or you don't know who the mouse has as friends, right? You're done, right? You're done. So the one thing people do that are swamp creatures is that they try to find out who their adversary is, what their adversary has on them. And this is all about finding out about all these sealed grand juries. You know, we saw McCabe's attorney try to push it out there. Tell us if there's a grand jury or not. Is it sealed or not? Fishing, fishing, fishing. You're never going to find out because you're not privy to that. Like you're not going to find out. Did you discuss the whistleblower with the president or this whistleblower statement with the president? I can't confirm or deny that because that would be a violation of executive privilege. I cannot discuss conversations I have with the president. I can't confirm that I had it and I can't deny that I've had it either. Kind of like Tara, what's her face? Another lefty idiot. Well, he could have just said he didn't. So that means he did. No, it's not. It's I cannot confirm or deny, period. That is it. Take it or leave it. That is the way it is. So I can't confirm or deny many conversations I've had with people uh, because you would say, well, it's simple. You could just say no. No, because then that's giving you an answer. You're not allowed to give an answer. That is the way it is. Uh, so um, the weird thing is, is that this whistleblower complaint that was put forward was not by a direct witness. So, again, I put it back to the fact that I'm assuming this is pillow talk, drunk talk, hangout talk or talking shop around, you know, a water cooler. And that's a problem. But here's where you can see the writing on the wall, you guys. Let me just put it straight to you. This is the panic that is happening. eBay CEO, step down. Jewel CEO, step down. Volkswagen CEO, indicted. Nissan CEO, charged with fraud. Comscore CEO, charged with fraud. You know, WeWork CEO, stepping down. Senior VPs at Twitter, stepped down. Look at the writing on the wall that no one is pointing to you. Why aren't we hearing about this? Look at what is going on. The purge is happening. We just had an announcement that a district attorney judge was charged with a crime. We are locking up judges. Do you see the panic? Of course. You can see it now. You can say, whoa, that's huge. Wait a minute. What? You mean 
the VP of global public policy that used to sit as head counsel of the FCC was removed from Twitter. Wait, what? Yes. Why isn't anybody talking about this? No big deal. We're just going to focus on this guy who heard from a guy who heard from a guy about something. That's basically what they're doing. They're not going to tell you about Iran's, conver- you know, uh, you know, UN address. Um, they're not going to tell you anything. They wanted to pull away from the president. This is why he was pissed. Remember how I said he didn't want to be there because he had other things to deal with. Look at how much stuff he's getting done. Look at all these resignations. Look at all these firings. No one is talking about it because it's coming down. And now, This is supposedly election meddling. It's not. I want you to listen to what John Radcliffe said. Loved it. I tweeted out to him. Thank you for putting it out there. Thank you for making it, you know, saying exactly what you were supposed to be saying. And the fact of the matter is he said (laughs) exactly what had to be said, which is, yo, uh, this isn't true. What you're saying isn't right. You know, this is just BS, complete BS. And he literally said that in a nice way, because I would have said it in in a not so nice way. Uh, But Radcliffe made it clear. He did. He made it clear. And that was awesome. I loved it. I don't know if you guys heard it, but I'm going to play it for you. Take a listen. The question is, at this point, given what we have, why all the focus on this whistleblower, the best evidence of what President Trump said to President Zelensky is a transcript of what President Trump said to President Zelensky. I'm not casting aspersions on the whistleblower's good faith or their intent, but a secondhand account of something someone didn't hear isn't as good as the best evidence of what was actually said. And to that point, despite good faith, the whistleblower is in fact wrong uh, in Numerous respects. And I know everyone's not going to have time to read the whistleblower's complaint, but the whistleblower says that I am deeply concerned, talking about the president, that there was a serious or flagrant problem, abuse, or violation of the law. The whistleblower then goes on to say, uh, I was not a direct witness to the events described. However, I found my colleagues' accounts of this to be credible. And then talking about those accounts of which this whistleblower complaint is based on, the whistleblower tells us the officials that I spoke with told me, and I was told that, and I learned from multiple U.S. officials that, and White House officials told me that, and I also learned from multiple U.S. officials that. In other words, all of this is secondhand information. None of it is firsthand information. The whistleblower then goes on to cite additional sources besides those secondhand information. Those sources happen to include mainstream media. The sources that the whistleblower bases his complaints on include the Washington Post, the New York Times, Politico, The Hill, uh, Bloomberg, ABC News, and others. In other words, much like the Steele dossier, the allegations in the whistleblower's complaints are based on third-hand uh, mainstream media sources rather than What did I say about putting out information? Did you hear it? This is why there was a delay. I know everyone wants to say it was just time for the UN, which it was because they could have dropped this last week and maybe the week before. But they were waiting for the mainstream media to drop it so they can reference that to validate this complaint. And the question here is, is question is, did Schiff or was it Daniel Jones that 
you know, held the whistleblower's hand walking him through how to write this and who dropped this information. Like I said, when you want to make something, uh, you know, that's evidence or you want to manufacture evidence, what do you do? You plant it. Okay. You plant it. How many times have I started an article and I'm like, Oh, come on. Who's going to report this so I can reference this because it may be misconstrued that I'm using my knowledge. So I have to wait till someone, you know, says something and I can say, Oh, that kind of like, you know, yesterday in my article, if you guys noticed, I said that we have the server with Hillary's emails, didn't I? And then one bold reporter saw my report probably, or heard me, or maybe got an email from me or something, email from a friend of a friend of a friend and said, Hey, president Trump, you think that the Ukraine may have Hillary's lost emails? And what did he say? Yes, I do. Because sometimes one statement, you can elaborate on that statement. And this is exactly what they've done. They had other people put it out there and someone walked him through and they made sure that there was enough out there to put it through. And I'm going to tell you why. This is mitigation and you're going to find out who, what, when, and where, and how we've rectified it. And this is why they're in panic because that's all they got. They got a little bit of a whistle because they've got people everywhere. Do you know how many people try to befriend people that may have access to knowledge? Tons. Tons. The fact that nobody questions that is, is a problem. You out there that may be reporting something or maybe have knowledge on something, you will suddenly have a friend request on Facebook, Twitter, conversation, DM or whatever, because they want to get close to you. So that way you can possibly drop something accidentally, kind of like Mercedes Schlapp did yesterday during an interview. And I'll play that so you can listen to what she dropped. Um, but Listen to what else Ratcliffe says. So he tells you this is what they did. Circular reporting, just like the Steele dossier, because this is another hoax. This is a hoax to try to say that there was election meddling when, you know, bottom line is they need to take that shield off of that, you know, presidential archive shield and release the telcon of Biden and Obama with the Ukraine. That'll make everything go away. Because if you dump all that documentation, the mainstream media will be they'll be drowned in so much facts that they will not be able to conjure some type of oh this is like totally benign it's totally normal to say well i don't care you're gonna get luchenko into prosecutor general because um we want him i'm just saying there could be such a conversation than firsthand information the whistleblower also appears to allege crimes not just against um the president but says with regard to this scheme to uh, solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 election that, quote, the president's personal lawyer, Mr. Rudolph Giuliani, is a central figure in this effort, and Attorney General Barr appears to be involved as well. But buried in a footnote a couple of, page later, a couple of pages later, the whistleblower admits, I do not know the extent to which, if at all, Mr. Giuliani is directly coordinating his efforts on the Ukraine with Attorney General Barr. Attorney General does know because he issued a statement yesterday saying there was no involvement. Um, my point in all of this is, again, the transcript is the best evidence of what we have. And so that the American people are very clear what that transcript relates is legal communications. 
The United States is allowed to solicit help from a foreign government in an ongoing criminal investigation, which Thank is exactly you. what President Trump did in that conversation. So if the Democrats are intent on impeaching the president for lawful conduct, then be my guest. I yield back. So this is exactly what I talked about yesterday. Remember how I told you about the U.S. and Ukrainian treaty that was signed by rapist impeached Bill Clinton? In there, it says that it's Attorney General Barr and the State Department and that they can appoint someone, which in this case was Durham, right? Remember, I think it was Attorney General Barr who in March said that he appointed Durham. Uh, Will actually talked about it right before the Mueller investigation and people were like, who's Durham, right? So. Uh, he was in on this. He's checking out. So there's a criminal investigation. And according to this treaty, that's the way it's done. And people are upset because Giuliani went there. Why did Giuliani go there? Because he's the personal attorney of the president of the United States. And he is representing the interests of his client. And why is he there? Because he wants the information that was manufactured against his client. Because if you think that they will get away, CrowdStrike will get away with what they did, you've got something else coming, some reality check that's going to be hard. And according to Mercedes Slap, it's a he. It's a one person. And, you know, on that note, you know what's really funny? CrowdStrike wrote this report on the Russians supposedly hacking the DNC, blah, 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 blah. They did not have a vendor contract with the FBI. Ergo, their report is equal to that of toilet paper. Toilet paper. Because... (laughs) You run a DNA test. Oh, yeah, I did it at my house and I used this and I PCR'd it myself. And you submit it into court. It's worth nothing. Did you go through an approved vendor for DNA analysis? No, I didn't. Then, then it's garbage. I don't care. But for some reason, garbage that CrowdStrike produced was valid, even though it's not legally valid. In the eyes of the law, it's toilet paper. So here we are <laughs> where they use toilet paper, CrowdStrike toilet paper. And that CrowdStrike toilet paper suddenly has a big fat contract migrating all legal documents, all communications, all transactions, all everything and their mother, New York State. Tell me why CrowdStrike has been hired and has a contract by the state of New York to migrate cloud data from the Southern District of New York. Speak again, please. Hello. What is going on here? They are corrupt. That organization is under investigation, yet the state of New York awards them a contract. Think about it. Think about it. This is where the FBI should be and say, well, hold on a second. They're actively being investigated for fabricating evidence in executive intelligence, foreign, you know, intervention, blah, 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 blah. Yet New York State awards them a cloud contract. That article's coming soon. Like, how is that even possible? How is that even legal? Think about it. How did a crowd strike get an award to migrate and cloud create the cloud for the state of New York? Obviously, de Blasio is there and Fredo's, you know, family runs it. So, hey, think about it. Here's what we have facts showing you where the corruption is deriving from. Here we have facts. There is an ongoing criminal investigation and it's not news. It's not brand new news because we knew it. We knew it. 
Take a listen before we break for the hour, and I come back and show you how Joe Biden knew about this before he ran, so we can't be election meddling. And I am so surprised that no one in there is mentioning that. I am really upset. Do, do, do none of these people know? I mean, I would have expected Devin Nunes or um, even Ratcliffe to know that he already knew. But maybe, you know, they're curbing that to allow them to pull their own pants down. I've said it. Corrupt people pull their own pants down. Take a listen to what um, McGuire had to say about the whistleblower. Any cases like this that were put into the spotlight, but in your testimony, but have you ever or are you aware of any former DNIs who have testified uh, about whistleblower complaints in the public? Not to my knowledge, uh, ranking member. I, I do not know. Are you aware of any cases like this that were put into the spotlight? Is, would this be the way to handle it out in the public like this? I am not aware of any, but I want to say once again, I believe that the situation we have and why we're here this morning is because this case is unique and unprecedented. So why are cases normally not handled out in the public? All the other uh, cases that came before either this committee or the Senate committee, whether or not they met the criteria of urgent concern, were forwarded because they involved members of the intelligence community who were, in fact, in organizations underneath the DNI's authority and responsibility. This one just did not come that way because it involved a member, an individual who is not a member of the intelligence community or an organization underneath the authority of the DNI. So this one is different from all others in the past that I am aware of. What? So you're saying that the person that said, I heard of a herd of a herd of a herd isn't part of the intelligence community? Adam, you and Danny have a lot of explaining to do. We need to check your dinner bills. We need to check your reimbursements because this is, uh, 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 like I said, second remove. How does someone who's not part of the intelligence community have knowledge and how did they receive information that this phone call even happened? Why? How do you find a leak? You run water through the pipes and see what bucket catches. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So this is the second hour. Um, I will talk about, you know, I won't talk about Iran. We'll talk about it tomorrow because there's more. Uh, there are developments that came out of Iran uh, via my sources in Syria. So we'll talk about that later, um, uh, tomorrow, that is, because I want to bring to your attention um, the final moments of this hearing that ended um just a few minutes after I started my show, uh, to let you know exactly how and when this, uh, all occurred. Okay. Because, uh, it's, it's really important that we listen to the facts and we parse them. So you understand just exactly what they're trying to do. Now, Castro, who I didn't even know was running, one of the biggest clowns ever was trying to entrap McGuire to say things that he wasn't saying. So, I want to play it from there just so you guys can listen and a few more comments from Schiff and from Ratcliffe, who has been just a champion, um, making points. So that way you can just see how they're telling you that this is a hoax themselves. Take a listen. Or speak with two people the president named explicitly as his personal envoys on these matters, Mr. Giuliani and Attorney General Barr, to whom the president referred multiple times in tandem. 
in the transcript that was released on page four of the first paragraph into what looks like the third sentence, President Trump says, the former ambassador from the United States, the woman, was bad news, and the people she was dealing with in the Ukraine were bad news. So I just want to let you know that. The other thing, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution, etc. Do you have reason to doubt what the whistleblower has brought forward? Getting back into Michael Atkinson's um, determination on whether or not was credible or urgent concern. As the DNI, it is not my place to ensure that it is credible. That is the ICIG's job as the inspector. He has determined that it is credible. My only trouble was that, in fact, it involves someone who is not in the intelligence community or in an organization under which I have authority and responsibility. Outside but, of that... But, Director McGuire, you agree that it involved intelligence matters. It involved... An- hey, did you hear that? Key clue there. This guy was not part of the intelligence community, not in my jurisdiction. Why is the IG looking into this? Why is my IG looking into this? And here's what their answer is. Issue of election interference. It involved an investigation of U.S. persons, including a former vice president. If you had knowledge or the CIA had knowledge that a government was going to investigate or drum up an investigation against a former vice president, would that not class, that, that wouldn't qualify as an intelligence matter? Would that qualify as an intelligence matter, yes or no? It, well, I don't mean to say that's kind of a hypothetical question, sir. No, I, I don't. No, you have to. We need sound bites. Go ahead, please. I think it's hypothetical. Oh, well, it, that's, that's exactly what's in the transcript. That's what he's asking for. What the complaint the complaint. But that's what the president is asking the, the president of the Ukraine to do. He's asking the president of the UK, Ukraine to investigate a former vice president of the United States. Does that qualify as an intelligence matter that the CIA would want to know? And McGuire is shaking his head. See, Castro is putting words in people's mouth. This is how they operate. They want sound bites. Kind of like what CNN did yesterday. They omitted a lot of parts of it, just like shifted, to make it look like he was asking for favors. But Tory is going to break it down. Tory is going to put it on paper to show you that this was an ongoing criminal investigation, Castro. And maybe you need a bigger box to stand on your podium. You know, I'm vertically challenged, just like you, man. But my... My integrity is way taller than yours, Castro, period. Because this was just, give me the soundbite. Give me the soundbite now. The conversation was by the president to the president of Ukraine, as you know. And it is his, I am, I am not. But Mr. McGuire, I understand, but that cannot be. You can't. You need to give me the soundbite. It's not a shield against transparency. Is it? Or is it not? Really, Castro? So let's take the shield off of the presidential archives of Obama then. You're a champion on that. I'm going to hold you to it. Like, what is going on with our Republicans, man? Grab them by the cojones and say, you said there should be no shield for transparency, right? Then unlock the presidential archives. Let's see the conversations Biden had as vice president, because right now he's not vice president. Right now he is former vice president, civilian Joe Biden, right, who I am going to demonstrate to you with what is out there already that he knew he was under criminal investigation. This is why he delayed his campaign and why he delayed it. This is all rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. Anyone 
telling you anything different needs a real reality check. And you know what? The smoking gun that he knew that he was under investigation is in the damn report by this fake whistleblower that could be a cook. Take a listen. It can't be an ultimate shield against accountability. The president is not above the law. One thing that you have. But Vice President Biden is. Haven't told us is if 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 your office or if the inspector general is not able to investigate, then who is able to investigate? Uh, Congressman Castro, once again, sir, as I mentioned several times so far, although it did not come to the committee, the complaint was referred to the Judicial Department for Criminal Investigation. This was not swept under the rug. I have, I have one more question for you. Why did your office think you should appeal the IG's determination about quote-unquote urgent concern to the DOJ? That has never been done before. It's never been done before. This is unprecedented in that in the past that there has never been a matter that the inspector general has investigated that did not involve a member of the intelligence community or an organization that the director of national. One one last. Listen to what he's saying. Never, ever, 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 ever in forever, ever, ever has the OIG of the intelligence community investigated allegations of someone who is not part of the intelligence community. This is why I appealed the stupid urgency, because we don't take non-intelligence community complaints and treat them as intelligence community concerns. And no the OIG never sits on top of it. That is plain English. That is plain logic. Everything else is BS, lipstick on a pig. That is basically it. And Castro is just going for sound bites, and he's saying, listen, man, the reason I did it is because we don't do that. My office, my inspector general, does not investigate claims of non-intelligence community officials. So, Daniel Jones, would you like to please stand up, please? point I would make with respect to you keep saying the president is not part of the intelligence community. I believe he is. The president, you agree, has the ability to declassify any single intelligence document. Do you agree that's true? The president has original classification authority. How, then how is the president is above the intelligence community, you stupid clown Castro, and you want to run for president and you don't even know that he oversees the intelligence community. If he wants to chop the intelligence community in half and get rid of them and purge them, he could do so because he feels like it. That is the way the structure is. So Castro. I don't know how he's running for president. Doesn't know this. Was that person outside of the intelligence community? Excuse me. He is the president of the United States above the entire executive branch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh huh. Castro, put him in his place. Now Mr. let's Rathcliffe. take a listen to what. Hey, Chairman. Rathcliffe. Admiral, good to see you. Good to see you again, sir. Uh, you served in the Navy 36 years. You commanded SEAL Team Two, and you retired as Vice Admiral of the Navy. Correct? Yes, he did. That's correct, Congressman. All right, and. Uh, Despite the fact that uh, after that service, uh, you became acting DNI 23 days after the Trump-Zelensky call and four days after the whistleblower made his or her complaint, uh, you were subpoenaed before this committee after being publicly accused of committing a crime. Correct. Correct. Yes, Congressman. Chairman Schiff wrote. So I just wanted to play that clip because we didn't play it before. They accused him of a crime. Are you guys getting this? They accused him of a crime. Okay. And this guy has never, ever not served his country. And they accused him of a crime. Take a listen to this clown. Heck, who should be heckled and should be out of office. I don't know how these people are in office when they don't know how the government works. 
Seriously, you guys, can we like all remove them and all of us just take their spots? I mean, that's what America's about, getting idiots out of office. At least the transcript of that July 25th conversation between President Trump and President Zelensky. And we now know that this phone call was indeed a part of the whistleblower complaint. Yesterday, the chair at a press conference characterized the president's uh, conversation in that call as a shakedown of the Ukrainian leader. Uh, He was not suggesting that it was a shakedown for either information or money, but instead it was a shakedown for help to win a presidential election, which is coming up next year. So now let's fast rewind to May 7th of this year when FBI Director Christopher Wray testified before the United States Senate that, and I'm quoting now, any public official or member of any campaign should immediately report to the FBI any conversations with foreign actors about, quote, influencing or interfering with our election. Director Wray is, of course, the top cop in the United States of America. You agree with Director Ray, do you not, sir? Uh, Congressman Heck, uh, I do not disagree with uh, Director Ray. And Is that the same thing as you agree with him, sir? Yes. Okay, Once thank again, you. Let me go on. It fast was referred, forward. It was referred to the FBI. Let me fast forward. Yes, sir. Was it referred to the FBI by the president who actually engaged in the conversation? The um, No, it was not. Let me fast forward to June 13th when uh, that's five weeks in advance of that, when the chair of the Federal Elections Commission made the following statement. Follow me, please. Let me make something 100% clear to the American public and anyone running for public office. It is illegal for any person to accept, solicit, or receive anything of value from a foreign national in connection with the U.S. election. Ha! Yes, it is. You're right. Denny Heck. So here's where you're a clown, Denny Heck. This had nothing to do with reciprocation or election meddling. This is about an open and ongoing criminal investigation that McGuire has restated over and over and over and over again throughout this whole time. And here's the thing. Everything is out there, guys. We already have what we need. And uh, how do you make evidence out there? Use circular report. And here's where I'm going to use circular reporting that you've dropped because you've dropped puzzle piece this, puzzle piece that. They're there. It's all about putting them together, right? And you know they're sneaky. They don't drop puzzle pieces of the edges so that way you can figure out what the picture is. They drop all the middle pieces, you know, when you're doing a puzzle and you're just like... Why am I getting the middle pieces? I need to find the outline of the whole picture to be able to build my puzzle. These clowns are smart. I mean, that's how you obfuscate. Listen to what this, you know what? No, we're not going to listen. This guy, we, no, we need to listen to what McGuire tells him. Take a listen. This is not a novel concept. Election intervention from foreign governments has been considered unacceptable since the beginnings of our nation. Do you agree with the FEC chair, Weintraub? Mr. Director? I I, I agree that uh, our elections are sacred, and we uh, – any interference from an outside source is uh, is just not not what we want to do. And to solicit or accept it is illegal. 
I don't know about that. I'm not a lawyer, sir. I don't mean to be evasive, but I can't. So you think it is okay for a public official to solicit, or it may be okay. You do not know the law. Oh, my gosh. They're, like, going after sound bites like crazy. I don't know how McGuire stands like that. I would be totally salty. I would be like, listen, clown. You need to go do your homework. I'm not a lawyer, but I can tell you one thing. This has nothing to do with an election meddling. There was an ongoing criminal investigation about Biden since 2017. We shouldn't even sit here and have this conversation right now, but I'm entertaining you because it's your freaking circus, and I don't want to be your monkey, so get off. That's exactly what I would have said, but McGuire's a lot more composed, probably why he's you know, an ODNI and I'm not. Maybe okay. For a candidate or an elected official to solicit foreign interference in our election? I cannot believe you're saying that. You're not really saying that, right? No, I'm not saying that, uh, Congressman Heck, at all. So we should note that the FEC chair was prompted to say this because it was just literally, uh, literally the day before that the President of the United States sat at the Resolute Desk in the most iconic room in the United States, the Oval Office, and said that FBI Director Ray was wrong. You're obviously disagreeing with that. He also said that he'd be, he would consider accepting foreign help. Uh, and, of course, yesterday we learned that the president did, in fact, did, in fact, do exactly that, solicited that help. Director, whether it's this president or any president, do you believe it is okay for the president of the United States to pressure a foreign country into helping him or her win an election? Uh, Congressman uh, Heck, I believe that no one is above the law, and we've discussed what we think applies to the law. So it is illegal to solicit? No, I can't answer that. Once again, sir. I can't reconcile your two statements. Is it okay for a president to president to pressure a foreign government for help to win an election? It's also illegal to pressure a foreign government to dismiss their prosecutor general because they're investigating their son. But, okay, let's focus on your hypothetical situation, which has nothing to do with this, because this isn't about political meddling. It is unwarranted. It is unwelcome. It is bad for the nation to have outside interference, any foreign Thank power. You. Uh, and, and by extension, it would be equally unacceptable to extort that assistance as well. Uh, You mean like what Biden did? I mean, all I know is that I have the transcripts as you have. I have the whistleblower complaint as you have. And I I wasn't referring to the whistleblower. Before we get to shift, because I'm going to fast forward, I want to tell you something. So everyone's saying that, you know, what Biden did, you know, how he's like, we're not going to give you loans if you don't fire him. I'm leaving in six hours, dude. So make up your mind. What President Trump did was all about USAID. I urge you guys to go to lauralumer.us or just troll my Twitter feed. It's pinned to the top how and what this transcript tells you. Uh, It's all about pulling out from the words and understanding and parsing through. Now, what I will tell you is, is that the reason we are, it's a very good reason, not providing money, right, has to do with USAID. And the fact that they're saying that we're holding it hostage when the actual fact is maybe we are, okay, maybe we are because from what I saw from Zelensky yesterday and from what the interpreter botch job did to tell everybody, and I don't even speak Ukrainian fluently, you guys, at all, I can tell you that 
Zelensky is in a box, too. He is in a box because the Ukraine is owned by the EU. So Zelensky couldn't go against the EU and say, nope, they're not helping us. They're drowning us in loans and they own our natural assets. He can't say that because he's part of the EU. This is why when the president said, hey, Zelensky, I really hope you and Putin sit down and just have a candid conversation and figure it out. You guys are they're, they're comrades after all. You know, the Ukraine was one of the biggest counties in the USSR and, you know, Mother Russia. So they can figure it out. It's just like siblings. They're like sibling countries. They can figure it out. But he was also put in a very awkward position. From what I saw, because he was like, yeah, you're right, but I can't say you're right because the Germans are going to be really pissed. And this is why he corrected the president when the president was like, they should be helping. And he's like, oh, we don't need help. We need support. Same thing. But what he's saying is guidance. That is what he meant by support. Zelensky guidance. Again, I'm telling you, Zelensky's in a box and it was only so much he could do. And I'm going to tell you how Biden tried to intervene on that. And that all happened in April. And even the whistleblower put it in his report. And you're just like, wait a minute, you're not part of the intelligence community, but you wrote this just like a really nice 302 report finding. So I want to know, Cook, how'd you get this done? How'd you do this, dude? How did you do I swear, guys, if I lived in D.C., I would be able to sniff out every single leaker there is, Um, you know, uh, I've always said that I would be uh, a very polarizing politician. If I ever was elected into Senate or Congress, I'm one of those people that will not hold her tongue. I will call it like it is, and I don't care who goes down with it. And uh, and this is why other people are in position, good guys are in positions that can have the ability to hold their tongue. Because I've held my tongue for so many years. And I didn't want to. And that is kind of like, um, kind of like what PTSD is, right? Where you like harbor these memories and you're just, uh, so you either react in a self-destructive way or you totally change in personality. Cause I have changed a lot. Uh, I have never been how I am now. And It's important for people to understand that what we are seeing is a big shift in our representatives and that the likes of Nadler's and Hex and Castro's, well, Castro is actually the new generation of politicians where he doesn't hold his tongue and he's not shamed, ashamed at all for lying because they are flat out lying and not caring about it. See back in the day and those, you know, that have fostered themselves in like Nadler, Schiff and all these other clowns, Pelosi, they had shame to lie. So they had to make their lie believable more Castro, Ocasio, Cortez, Omar, uh, Tlaib, all of them. The new ones, they don't care. They really don't care. This is very important for you guys to understand going forward. Now, let's just take a listen quickly to what Schiff has to say. Listen to this. Did you discuss this subject with the president? You can imagine what a profound conflict of interest that would be. Did you discuss this subject, this whistleblower plane, with the president? You can say, I did not discuss it with him, if that's the answer. That doesn't betray any privilege. So his body already shook his head. He already told him, no, I did not. 
but Schiff is pressing. You know, it doesn't violate privilege if you tell us no. Yes, it does, because that's a freaking answer, Schiff. And you are supposed to be the head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and you don't know that? This is just how relentless they are. And, you know, Schiff's CIA, so he knows what he's doing. And you can say, I did discuss it with him, but I'm not going to get into the content of those conversations. That question you can answer. No, he can't. Chairman Schiff, once again, you know, my conversation, no matter what the subject is with the President of the United States, is privileged conversation between the Director of National Intelligence and the President. Thank you. He knows that he can't answer that. Did you see that? He knows that he cannot answer that. He knows it, and he still asked him. And the DNI, you know, he's sitting, McGuire's sitting there shaking his head. I didn't. I'm giving you my answer, you know, with my body, even though I'm not allowed to say it. And you know that I can't tell you about any conversations I have with the president or, for that matter, if I've had any conversations with the president. So I can't confirm or deny because that's giving you an answer. I mean, that is intelligence 101. What a clown for him to be sitting on the Senate, the, the House Intelligence Committee, psh, I said Senate, and, and sitting there, <laughs> and he's supposed to be heading the House Intelligence Committee, and the clown asked him to violate Intelligence Rules 101. I mean, this is ridiculous. Why do I keep saying Senate? Oh, that's because I know the Senate's involved in this complaint. Thank you so much, Mr. Chairman and um, Director Oh, here we go. Thank you. For being here with us today. Thank you for your service. Good morning, Congresswoman. Um, I know you said that you took your first oath in 1974. Yes, ma'am. Um, that's, that's a long time, but a long time to be proud of the service. I took my first oath in 1984 uh, when I was sworn in as a law enforcement officer. And I thank you so much for saying that public service is a sacred trust because regardless of the circumstances or who's involved, public service is a sacred trust. Uh, I've had an opportunity as a law enforcement officer, I'm a member of Congress now, but to investigate internal cases involving other personnel. I've had an opportunity to investigate numerous other cases, criminal cases, and never once, just for the record, Director McGuire, did I ever go to the suspect or the defendant or the principal in those cases to ask them what I should do. Um, in the case. There's been a lot of talk this morning, the whole discussion, the whole reason. Can I just say something? Didn't the FBI do that though? Didn't they go to Hillary Clinton and sit down with their lawyers and have coffee and talk about the email scandal together? I'm just saying. I thought I would bring that up because even though Demings looks likable, she looks like the biggest snake ever. She's sitting there saying that he went to the suspect to ask what he should do. He is the director of national intelligence. And we're talking about the president of the United States. We're not talking about a cartel member. We're not talking about a corrupt cop that gets in bed with his CI. Demings, because a lot of people know what happens between you and your CIs. So the bottom line is, look at how they're trying to frame it up like the DNI is now colluding with the president of the United States. This is where we're going to leave it. And after the break, I'm going to show you how Joe Biden knew all about this and when he knew about it. Just so that you understand how Daniel Jones concocted the idea of a complaint.
Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. Now, before we get into this, I want you guys to just listen to the opening statement of the DNI before I tell you and showcase to you the mitigation that happened in April. In April, and remember, when did we fire the ambassador to the Ukraine from the U.S., Yovanovitch, the one that Zaleski was referring to? When? May 6th. May 6th, she was fired, and May 9th, Giuliani arrived. And when did Joe Biden know about this, and who mitigated? But before we do that, again, we're going to listen to the opening statement of Joseph McGuire, our acting DNI. Director McGuire, would you agree that the whistleblower complaint alleges serious wrongdoing by the President of the United States? Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, the whistleblower... Well, actually, I apologize, uh, Director. Let me recognize you for your opening statement, um, and you may take as much time as you need. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Chairman Schiff, uh, Ranking Member Nunez, and members of the committee, good morning. I'd like to begin by thanking the Chairman and the committee for agreeing to postpone this hearing for one week. This provided sufficient time to allow the executive branch to successfully complete its consultations regarding how to accommodate the committee's request. Mr. Chairman, I've told you this on several occasions, and I would like to say this publicly. I respect you, I respect this committee, and I welcome and take seriously the committee's oversight role. During my confirmation process to be the director of the National Counterterrorism Center, I told the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence that congressional oversight of the intelligence activities is critical and essential to successful operations with the intelligence community. Having served as the director of the National Counterterrorism Center for eight months and as the acting director of national intelligence for the past six weeks, I continue to believe strongly that the role of congressional oversight. As I pledge to the Senate, I pledge to you today that I will continue to work closely with Congress while I'm serving either in this capacity as Acting Director of National Counterterrorism or when I return to the National Counterterrorism Center to ensure you are fully and currently informed of intelligence activities to facilitate your ability to perform your oversight of the intelligence community. The American people expect us to keep them safe. The intelligence community cannot do that without this committee's support. Before I turn to the matter of hand, there are a few things I would like to say. I am not partisan, and I am not political. I believe in a life of service, and I am honored to be a public servant. I served under eight presidents while I was in uniform. I have taken the oath to the Constitution 11 times. The first time when I was sworn into the United States Navy in 1974, and nine times during my subsequent promotions in the United States Navy. Most recently, former Director Dan Coates administered the oath of office last December when I became the director of the National Counterterrorism Center. I'm just going to leave it right there because here's where we're going to get into timelines. Here's where we're going to listen. So before we get into that, I'm going to read this um, unclassified complaint, right, that was sent to um, Richard Burr and then, you know, the, to the intelligence uh, committee in regards to um, what it, what happened, right? And I'm going to read, and it's so weird, it looks just like 
a report that someone that works within the intelligence community or knows how it works uh, would write. I'm just going to read one paragraph of section one. Early in the morning of 25 July, the president spoke by telephone with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. I do not know which side initiated the call. This was the first publicly acknowledged call between the two leaders since a brief congratulatory call after Mr. Zelensky won the presidency on April 21st. So we already know that President Trump had a call on April 21st with Zelensky. So before we get to that, here's what we're going to listen to to Geneva and what he had to say. Okay, what he had to say about the ambassador, the U.S. ambassador to the Ukraine from the United States in March of 2019. So this is this is during the presidential election period of the Ukrainian elections. Take a listen. This is the 23rd of March, 2019. Pay attention to what he says. Here's the thing that's really changing. Now we know that not only was there Russian collusion through Fusion GPS and through uh, the, the MI6 guy and all of that, but now we know that the Ukrainian officials were deeply involved in trying to help Hillary Clinton through this. And we also now know that the current United States ambassador, Marie Yovanovitch, has badmouthed the president of the United States to Ukrainian officials and and has told them not to listen or worry about Trump policy because he's going to be impeached. This woman needs to be called home to the United States for consultation. But Sean, here's the thing. What he said on the 23rd of March was correct. She sat there and badmouthed the president to Poroshenko and said, don't worry about it, man. Even if you win, right? Don't worry about Trump. We got this. He's getting impeached. Don't worry about it. We're getting this done. But here's where I'm going to hit you on timeline. Just so that you know. So the reason this conversation was happening is because Poroshenko was being pressured by the United States to cooperate in a criminal investigation. Luchenko doesn't want to go back to jail because he already went to jail. He spent almost three years in jail. And, you know, then he was appointed prosecutor general without a law degree, by the way. Um, and he's worried about going back to jail. Well, he's fired now. And there's a reason for that, because the Ukraine is stuck between a rock and a hard place. Zelensky got the U. EU owning every single hole in every single Ukrainian's underwear right now. They own their natural resources. They have bombarded them with debt. They will never be able to get out of that debt for thousands of years paying back. The IMF made sure to own every little bit of them because as they own them, they can't come to the table with Russia unless they say, uh, We'll work together. We want independence. Just pay off our debt because you have surplus, Putin. Putin's going to say, this doesn't work like that. You become part of Russia and I'll pay off your debt and you're done. Or you just wing it out, which is leverage. And I get it. If I was Putin, I'd do the same thing. I'd be like, listen, uh, crying, you know, female part. You, Your country created their independence, their own Crimea stayed out of it. 
I'm being credited as a bad guy. Now I have money. I've got a big fat bank account with surplus while everybody on the planet is in debt. You're in debt where they own your country 20 times over. You want to get out of that debt? Come back to Russia. And so that is something that they can discuss where the Ukraine can have a a relationship like Hong Kong had with China uh, so they can get out of debt. That's one option. I mean, it's still kind of austerity because Mother Russia will be, um, in essence, their uh, higher law, kind of like mainland China to Hong Kong. Right. But, um, uh, you know, that's their way out. And they don't want that because the Ukrainians right now believe in their independence and they don't have any independence because they're pretty much owned. So I just wanted to throw that out so you understand the concept of those relations between the Ukraine, Russia and Europe. And now they have the United States of America who's like, listen, I want this information. You want my help? You want me to help you facilitate communications with Putin where you're not part of Russia, but maybe we could figure something out so you guys can have some independence, even though you're still going to be dependent on someone else? Um, then you need to work with me because we've got this treaty and we did this and we're having a criminal investigation and talk. So here we go fast forward, aside from the fact that we have this ambassador bad-mouthing our president saying, don't worry, he'll be impeached, right? We have her in office. She's sitting there, and elections, presidential elections are going on a full. Now listen to this, what people don't know. On April 12th, just a couple of days before the Notre Dame fire, do you guys remember that? You remember how it was on fire, Michelle was sipping wine, Obama was in France too? Well, candidate Vladimir, which they call Volodymyr, which is Vladimir, Zelensky, he arrived in, in the palace to speak with the president of France. So they were chit-chatting. And even though everyone said Poroshenko was going to win, Macron, of course, invited him to France. So this is on April 12th. And it just so happened that Barack Hussein Obama was there too. Just so happened. So they're all sitting there having a conversation. Notre Dame's on fire. So no one's paying attention to who's actually in town in France between the 12th of April and the 20th of April. Pretty big deal, right? Because Ukrainian elections are coming. And don't forget, the Ukraine has the most largest natural gas, you know, assets in on, on the continent of Eurasia, right? Combined. They have the most natural gas on Eurasia. That means the European continent and the Asian continent, they have the most. So they are, they should be rich. (laughs) They should be rich. They're not. They should be rich. So you need to make sure that you're friends with Vladimir Zelensky. Funny how they want to call him Volodymyr. Uh, Volodymyr instead of Vladimir, which it is. Uh, so Zelensky is in town, Obama's in town, other people are in town, and they're all chit-chatting. Notre Dame's on fire, so no one's looking at who's chit-chatting. They're just looking at the fire, right? And boom, uh, on the, it was the uh, 20, uh, so it was the 18th of April that everyone's like, oh my gosh, on Friday, totally, we're going to have Joe Biden announce that he is officially running for president of the United States. And they're like, psych, no, we're going to do it on Monday because the elections for the Ukraine were done on the 21st, right? Oh, what happened? Oh my gosh. His buddy Poroshenko did not win. Uh-oh. We're going to push back the elections because we need to find out what's going to happen now. Do we have dibs on Zelensky? We need to talk because if this stuff comes out and this guy's anti-corruption, I'm a little bit concerned, says Joe.
His lawyer's all over. Don't worry, Joe. We're going to keep this quiet. We're going to get it going. No one's going to know about this ongoing criminal investigation that, you know, Durham uh, hit the ground running with when he was appointed by Barr. And according to the treaty that we have with the Ukraine, so don't worry about it. You just do you. If you run, we're going to make it look like election meddling. Just go ahead. That is exactly what happened. This is why Joe delayed his announcement to run because he didn't know how much damage it would, it would cause him. And he needed assurances from the Obamas from France, from Germany, from all those clowns that met with Zelensky and said, no, 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 we got him. He gets it. He knows how it works. We've already told him. In any case, he wins. He needs to work with us. He needs to understand he's part of this group. We're going to all work together. We got it. But see, the thing about Vladimir is, is that he's young and he's a bull in a China cabinet. And he understands logic, just like anybody else with common sense would. Damn it. They own my country. I got to walk this fine line. They're right. We can't be independent right now. We're going to have to be dependent because whoever, once we spurred off, they owned us. How do I tell my people that we're going from dependency to the EU to dependency of Russia? I can't. I got to make the best of it. And what I can do is threaten the EU when I'm a little bit more comfortable and in my office enough to say, listen, man, I'm actually considering taking Vladimir's money and letting the people hate me, but we won't have debt and we'll be able to make money on our natural gas. I might be able to do that because Trump is willing to help me facilitate that. So my country has at least some freedom and that we're not superimposed all these darn taxes. And maybe if they allow, if, Putin allows us, it'll be Ukraine, Crimea together, uh, independent, but not so independent, still part of the Russian Federation, kind of like the agreement that Crimea has, because Crimea doesn't have high taxes. Crimea doesn't have a socialist government. Crimea is actually thriving and they're rich. And maybe we want to do that too. So that is what happened. So Joe Biden knew that he was under investigation. Unfortunately, the presidential election in the Ukraine wasn't fixed enough. George Soros dropped the ball. So did the Obama for America Foundation. So did the Atlantic Council. And Zelensky is smart. You don't come into running against someone like Poroshenko with Luchenko as a prosecutor general and win the elections without being smart. This is why I said I want to hold my tongue because there were very many, many indications that Zelensky is a sleeper and it's not a sleeper for the Ukraine, but actually Russian. So I'm just going to tell you that this is my hunch. And on the sense that he is more toward the mother Russia thing, but with independence. Okay. So this is what happened. This is why Biden delayed his announcement, because he needed to have validation and information and understand that maybe Zelensky could be compromised. Maybe Zelensky will play ball with them. And Zelensky did exactly what he needed to. And what's that? He gave him assurances that he understands how the system works. He gave him assurances that he will be compliant. And he made sure yesterday, even though he was very uncomfortable, even though he wanted to come off very aloof, the type ish and very middle of the road. This is why he made an extra effort to indicate his alliance with Europe by saying, no, 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 they're helping us there. They are, you know, this, this, this. And Trump was like, what are you talking about, dude? They're not. This is why I'm not giving you money. I give you anti-tank where people were giving you pillows and sheets. So again, 
this is they all knew this. They all knew this investigation was already happening. This is not about election meddling. This is an actual criminal investigation. And the best guys is if you run for office, they can't use information that they're garnering supposedly from other nations against you. But here's the kicker. We've already started this investigation. The investigation already started, so it's not like it just started. And see, that is what the report did. Oh, there was a public call on April 21st. It was brief and congratulatory. Was it, though? Was it, though? What about the previous conversations that AG Barr and Durham had with them? Oh, (laughs) yeah, right. We're not going to mention that because then it's not going to fit into our election meddling discussion. And why did Biden delay? Because he was looking into this Hunter Biden stuff. Remember, it was around that time where everyone's like, he got kicked out of the Navy for cocaine. He got $1.5 from China. All this news was coming out, and everyone's like, don't look, don't look. He's going to announce. He's going to, how is he going to announce? He's disgraced. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. I mean, look at Hilton, Clinton's body count, rapist. We made Monica Lewinsky pass herself off as a mistress. We can fix this for you, Biden. Don't worry, man. You're our guy. You ran for president back in the 80s and lost because you were a liar. Don't worry. Just continue your lies and we'll fix it. Don't worry about it. We got this. Mainstream media is our PR firm. They didn't work. So what did they do? Daniel Jones got really, really, you know, huh? kind of looks like the dossier, doesn't it? <laughs> Because everyone keeps thinking that CrowdStrike and Fusion GPS were the ones that spirited this when it was someone else. It was Feinstein's right-hand man. It was Obama's main dude that actually got a huge list under the guise of CIA torture. You know, think about it. If I'm investigating how our intelligence community tortures or questions people, that means I have access to the highest intelligence on that can be granted to anyone even majestic yeah yep we're talking you know 12 you got magic 12 all the way up to there to see how you torture humans and non-humans how do you get information so you have access to everyone and their mother no matter where it is, to see how you question and interrogate high-value groups, high-value targets. Wasn't Peter Strzok part of that group? Oh, yeah, he was. So what he did was, under the guise of saying, we did all this torture and we were anal-feeding them and doing all this stuff and put out a report, over those six years, he compiled the biggest list of names known to man, every covert asset on every single portion of this planet earth that we are on with their family with their insurance with this with that and when you need them the most activation that is how dr ford was done this is how this and it was one man that led that group one man who was feinstein's right hand man not her chinese agent spy that was her driver supposedly for 20 years but it was daniel jones the guy that was in gq as one of america's eligible bachelors along with george clooney when he was a nobody daniel jones who did four years in the fbi you mean the farm daniel jones who has a rolodex with every covert asset available to him Because I'm sure that a lot of us are not on that list because that's how covert they are and that's how excluded they are from documentation. But nevertheless, he had a list. 
He is the one that orchestrated, because he paid Fusion GPS. He paid Glenn Simpson, Colonel LLC. He paid, he paid, he paid. He even created the Democracy Integrity Project that Obama paid into. And what was their job? To validate the dossier in 2017. Oh, my gosh. So where is he? Oh, he was also the guy that was the in-between conversation just before Comey got fired. How was he implicated in this? where he was the guy who was chit-chatting with Christopher Steele and other people. How is this guy totally excluded from every single report on the planet? Because he orchestrated it and he wrote this report. Because you know what? You should see his report on torture. Gosh darn it. The verbiage, the structure all looks the same. Again, a report based on 302, a report by someone trained at the farm. And we already know that this whistleblower is an intelligence. So who had the bright idea of taking it to the OIG of the intelligence community? You're going to tell us that because you assume it's election meddling, even though you very well know that this is an ongoing criminal investigation that has been legally initiated, that is under our treaty with the Ukraine, correct done. This is why A.G. Barr is part of it. This is why he appointed her. And this is why Giuliani showed up in May, too. And he even said she's corrupt. She got fired. She got canned because she's corrupt. And that happened after Zelensky won the elections. And this is what he was. You told me she was a bad ambassador. Yep, I did. She was a clown. She was a she was a deep state swamp fourth unelected branch. So Joe Biden and all his little cronies can sit there and talk about how this is election meddling. But this is what needs to be done. And I strongly suggest this be done. Castro said it. He said No one should hide behind the shield of executive privilege. Okay, Castro, let's hold you to that word. Let's drop the shield on presidential archives. Let's unleash the Kraken and drop all the telcon that happened between Obama, right, and the Ukraine. What about Biden and the Ukraine? Or let's do this. What about the ambassador, Marie Yanovich, right, and Obama and Biden and with other officials. How come we don't release that? I mean, you know, if you unload all those documents and declassify them, drop them down, media will drown. They will not know what to do. And you know what they're going to do? Another force flag, maybe aliens invaded, maybe another, you know, wonder of the earth. Maybe the Vatican will catch fire, right? So nobody looks, look over here. Or maybe... Saudi Arabia will be blown up by the Turks again, you know, and blame Iran for it. You know, maybe another distraction. So you don't see all that paperwork. And people are like, how could you talk about politics when people are super dying? You look very mean. That is exactly what they do. This is how they manipulate people. This is how they work. And I'm telling you this. This is textbook 101 on Jedi mind tricks. They're all trained on it. And they know exactly what they're doing. So bottom line is. Joe Biden knew he was under investigation. The Obamas, again, intervened in this on behalf of Biden in France. They had a chat with Zelensky. I guarantee you they had a chat with Zelensky. I mean, of course. Oh, my gosh. Reports are going to get out that the Obamas and maybe Biden is here. Wait a minute. Think about it. Wasn't Biden in France? Uh, 
when Zelensky was in France? Uh, or wasn't he in France when Poroshenko was in France? Hey, Department of Homeland Security, why don't you pull his flight records and show him at the same place at the same time with the Obamas and the Ukrainians prior to the elections? Why is it that he was going to be announcing his presidency the day after the Ukrainian elections and pushed it? Well, actually, he was going to announce it the week before that or the week before that, but he kept pushing it out, waiting for these elections because he was unsure. Because George Soros said, I don't know, man, people are really pissed off. This austerity stuff, not working for them. Zelensky might actually win. Let's see what we could do. Sure, let's get him into France. We'll Jedi mind trick him. We'll hotbox him. We'll get everybody in a room and say, oh, yeah, you're going to be part of the group. This is so cool. You get to wear cool sunglasses and suits that were made of Teflon. You know, shiny stuff. That's what happened. And now, when you see them flat out lying and not caring that they're lying, this is how desperate they are. Oh, dear chef, save the children. You're next. This is just the beginning. And like I said, it's all about timing, right? We always say it, just like President Trump said, it's about timing. Yes, it is. And 2020 is going to be our time. The closer it is to the presidential elections, the better. Because then they don't have time to recoup. And the more they don't know is going on, the better. On that note, I want to wish you guys a great evening, a great afternoon. And I will see you same time, same place tomorrow, 12 to 2 on Red State Talk Radio. God bless from all of us.